We all have questions about faith, life, and God. This summer at Bellwether, our series is Ask Anything. We want to take your questions and try to give you answers. So join us on a Sunday morning and ask anything, and we'll look into God's Word to find the answer. join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would know that if we have Jesus, we have everything. And if we don't have Jesus, we really have nothing. We may have material possessions. We may have physical health for a season. Uh, We may have the strongest Rolodex in the city. But if we do not have you as Lord... It means nothing. I pray that we would know that in a greater way. And I pray that we would know Jesus in a deeper, stronger, more powerful way. Not just to bless us, but to bless this world. And that we would be raised up as disciples and leaders of Christ. And given meaning and purpose and healing to live for Him. It's... It's the greatest thing that we could do to live our lives for Jesus. Help us take a step in that direction. Thank you, Lord, for these your people, this your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a seat and take uh, your Bibles or a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's uh, some in the back table. I ask you to turn two passages that we'll look at today. One is Matthew 16. And the other one later in the message is 1 Corinthians 3. We will be in Matthew 16 first. I'm going to read verse 13 through 30. But before we do that, uh, we've, been, we've been talking all summer, uh, really trying to answer questions that y'all have posed. We have been in a series that we call Ask Anything. Uh, that we've taken uh, questions y'all have asked and wrestled with them and looked into God's Word and tried to give uh, this church, this congregation, answers. Now, we're going to continue that even though we're not doing a sermon series. So any question you might have, there's an Ask Anything box on the table in the middle of the foyer. Uh, It's a great way for for me as pastor, us as staff, uh, to know uh, the big questions or the deep questions or the broad questions, or just what you are wrestling with. And it can be anything. That's why we say ask anything. Because we want to be a church that says, hey, you can come in here and you can ask any question, and we will take you as you are. It's not okay. Uh, It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And so we want to help you grow. We want to see what you're thinking, uh, what questions you may have. Uh, For those of you who uh, have missed maybe the last month, uh, we've tackled some big subjects. We talked about uh, being a Christian in America. Are we a Christian nation? Uh, we tackled the subject of same-sex attraction. So these are podcasts uh, that are on our website right now. And we also list some resources for you. 
So just saying that. But I say that because today is the, uh, it's the last official uh, Sunday of this series. And before I get into the specific question, I uh, really want to ask the bigger question. It's a question, if you're tracking with me, I've asked already in the services, who is Jesus for you? Because really that question uh, answers all these other specific questions. You may not realize it. Who is Jesus for you? And there can be multiple answers for that. Uh, you could say, well, you know, man, you know, he, he's Savior, He's Lord. I mean, we know, most of us, being raised where we're raised, we, we know a lot of the, the Sunday school answers uh, or the gospel answers. So you say, oh, you know, He's, he's Savior. But is he really? You say he's Lord. Well, is he really? You say he's God. Okay, you know him like that conceptually or mentally, but do you know him like that in your heart? Who is Jesus for you? Is he life insurance for eternity? Uh, is he the counselor you turn to when things hit the fan? Uh, do, do you have him uh, in the back seat while you're driving the steering wheel of your life? Or is he Lord? Do you look at Him to bring healing in all situations? To bring calm in every storm? To give you purpose and meaning even in the valleys? Do you look and believe that He can cause physical miracles? Are you afraid of things in life? Do you believe in Him as Lord, as the person... I said, man, you can walk and go anywhere, into any dark corner. Any dark, there's nothing to fear. Do you think of him like that? Is that who Jesus is to you? That's who I want Jesus to be for you. That's who I want Jesus to be in my heart, in my life. And, and I know that he's growing me continually in that direction. Because I want to always be growing. I mean, God willing, if I hit 90 or C90, I want to continue to be growing. And I want that for you too. Who is Jesus for you? could be the greatest question of your life. And the problems you face and the valleys you walk through, that question is most significant. Who is Jesus? All right, so let, we're going to get back to that. We're going to see that. But let's get to the specific question that was asked today. It was, we put it up on screen, who leads the church and how does it grow? So, um, you know, kind of, kind of specific who leads the church? You know, we could talk about a lot of things. We could talk about uh, elders, which I have before. Uh, how does it grow? We could talk about discipleship, evangelism. But I want to get to the nitty-gritty because the short and simple answer is Jesus. Jesus leads the church. He's top of the head, the org chart. He is the head. It's not the pastor. It's not a group of elders. It is Jesus. How does a church grow? A church grows through Jesus. See, when you have a group of people that look to Jesus in this big, massive, huge way that says, man, we can go anywhere. We can do anything. Nothing is, can overcome us. We can, we can live lives that will surmount problems and challenges. Then He grows the church. He grows specific churches. He grows the church as a whole when you believe Jesus in that big way. But so many of us, myself included in the past, have operated in believing in this small Jesus. And we may come to Him when we need Him, or we may, you know, look to Him for the life insurance of heaven, you know, if we go that far at all. But when you believe and live for a big Jesus, 
He grows specific churches and He grows His church and His kingdom as a whole. So I hope you, you see Jesus a little bit bigger this morning. And I hope you begin to believe in Jesus in this, you know, that, who can change the world through you, through us. And if He doesn't, He'll do it in some other way. And He'll get the glory. But it's about Him and it's about us. That's a short answer. I could say, hey, let's go home. Let's get an early lunch. Some of y'all are saying, please do. We got a little bit more, okay? So stay with me. But that is a short answer. Now, this question, the, the guy, and I know the guy who asked this, he referred to this specific scripture passage. So I didn't choose this. And uh, the brother who asked it, he's not here today, but I know he'll listen to the podcast. Praise God. But uh, Matthew 16, 13 through 20. So he referred to this passage and... Um, Let's read it now. So, start with verse 13. Famous passage. A passage that I love. And we're really going to go deep into it to, to give you some meaning. Okay? So, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who... Do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. All right, I'm going to break this down because there are a lot of things in this passage, you know, like, like many Bible passages, you can read it, but if you really don't know some of the context and what Jesus is referring to, you miss out on the deeper, uh, richer uh, meaning which will help us believe in the bigger Christ, okay? So I want to go into this. First off, I think it's interesting. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And his disciples refer to other people. How often do we do this? When we're asked something, maybe about our faith, we say, well, you know, the, the preacher said this. You know, or, or the small group leader said this. Or, you know, or, you know this, this pastor said this uh, about discipleship, about Jesus. And a lot of times I think, you know, we're really skirting the issue on that. And we're, we're not wanting to go deep within our own heart to answer this direct fundamental question. Who is Jesus to you? We say, well, the pastor said this. My small group leader, your podcast said this. I think Jesus looks a square in the eye. He says, no, who am I to you? Because the disciples, they tried to you know, blow it off, shift off. Well, Jeremiah, Elijah, no, who am I to you? I want to see your heart. What does it say? Who does it say that I am? And then there's a leader. The Lord always raises leaders. Uh, very much imperfect. There are no perfect places. You know, fire alarms go off. Uh, lights explode. If you weren't here at our first service, a light exploded. Uh, there are no perfect places, no perfect people. But a raw leader is emerging here who is Simon. Uh, Simon who trips up over his words all the time who I think, you know, it's not in the Bible, but I think he had a, had a problem 
you know, he's the type dude, you know, he didn't start any fights, but he didn't back down from any fights, you know, that type. I, th- I think of him like that. And he, in boldness, says, you're the Christ, the Son of God. Something else this passage is important to know. Jesus says, God revealed this to you. You know, that could be the most important thing in this sermon, that who Jesus is, God reveals to you. Uh, not me, uh, not any other preacher, uh, not any other teacher, whether you're, you're here in person or on a podcast or something like that, not anything you read. Uh, to know Jesus as Lord, God reveals it. That's why we pray before the services. Holy Spirit, shatter things that are blocking hearts here so that they can hear from you. We're just, we're just instruments. I mean, God's going to do His thing without me without any of us. I'm going to get to that in a minute. God reveals. Jesus says, God reveals this to you, Simon. And then he calls him by a different name. And I really want to highlight this because the question highlighted this about who leads the church. And he calls him Peter, which means rock. And he says, on this rock I will build my church. And the key here is to know the Greek. Some of y'all don't check out on me just because I throw Greek in. This is easy and it's important, okay? In Greek, Peter means Petros, which means rock. But actually, if you know this, it means like little rock or not a solid rock or a movable rock. And then Jesus says, and on this rock I will build my church. And he uses a different word of rock. He uses Petra, Peter, Petros. Little rock, movable rock, unstable. Petra, stable, immovable, solid, foundation. He's talking about himself. And so the lesson for us is, who leads the church? Jesus, the Petra. But he wants us to be these, like little rocks, literally. Like these Petros. Who have as their foundation, the Petra, the rock the Messiah, and God reveals that. That's very key to know because a lot of times you read this and you see, yeah, Peter, Petros, I'm building the church on you. That's not it. Church is built on Jesus. But he wants to raise us up as, as literally like little rocks that have the big rock as the foundation for their life. Now, he goes on and you know, you can easily skirt by the rest of it. Because he says, On this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is important to know. I mean, this is like really important to know. And the Lord spoke to me in, in this very specific part of the verse while I was in Honduras. You see, you, okay, you gates of hell, okay, not prevail. Jesus was literally referring to cities at that time, okay? See, a city at that time, even Jerusalem, had walls around it. And the gate had to be strong. And if it had a strong gate, then, then nothing could come in. And, and the city could survive. I mean, let's say you had a siege. All the people would be in the city, and if they had food, and, I mean, they could survive the strong gate, the strong wall. And Jesus is, is literally referring to the hellish uh, strongholds that can be uh, in a life, uh, in, a, in a marriage, 
uh, in relationships in a city. See, what happens is, and I'm going to get supernatural here. I just got back from Honduras. You've got to bear with me, okay? Okay? And some of y'all are like, man, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to go, okay? Preach it. But what, what the devil, what demonic forces do? They say, we're going to build this stronghold in a life, in a church, in a community. And Jesus is saying here, the gate is not going to hold when the church is built on the rock. And that's why I say, who is Jesus to you? What are you afraid of? There is nothing to fear. No stronghold will stand with the power of the Lord and the power by His Holy Spirit. He said, the gate will not stand. The gate, he said, it won't prevail. Like it, won't, it will be knocked over. It will fall flat with Jesus, the power of His Word, the power of His Spirit, the power that can be in you today. So what's the stronghold you're afraid of in your life, in a marriage, in a community, in your job? What, what are the strongholds? They'll say, I'm going to take root here. Jesus said, it's not going to prevail. Believe it. A wonderful example of this uh, happened while we were in Honduras. And the, the last full day, uh, we broke up into prayer teams, three prayer teams. And each team went to a specific community. And there were like 10 or 20 families that we were asked to go into their home, uh, pray for them, and we'd deliver these big food bags that would like feed them for a month. And so uh, my team, I think there were 10 or 12 of us, we went to this community. It was further up in the mountains. And our translator, uh, this young, sweet girl named Celeste, she pulled me aside uh, before we were going and she said, Look, you know, Pastor, uh, you know, I want you to know that um, uh, this place is, you know, it's kind of broken. She said, This place is, uh, is very dark, uh, very dark spiritually. I was like, What do you mean? And she's just like, You know, uh, a lot of voodoo, uh, witchcraft. Uh, a lot of folks they think are possessed. And there was a soccer field uh, right below the community. The community is like literally on, on a slope of a hill or mountain. And there was a soccer field. And she said, she said, Pastor, like things are done on that soccer field that I can't even speak of. And so I was like, all right, man, here we go. You know, we're, we're going in. So we kind of, we talked to the team. I, you know, I told them, look, it's, you know, this is what she says. We're going into these homes, you know. The gates of hell will not prevail. We're, we're going in. And, you know, out of those homes, and it was a, a huge blessing, uh, maybe my favorite part of the whole trip. But, you know, we went to one home where we prayed for the family, and there was a girl who didn't join us in prayer. She was resting, eating. Mom said, well, she, she just had a miscarriage of twins three months in, and she's 14. Okay. And so we prayed for her, prayed for the family. Another home we went into, and Celeste pulled me aside. She said, okay, Pastor, you know, this is one of the people that they, they think is, is possessed. And so I gathered everybody around, and I said, look, they, you know, they, they say they think that this, uh, this young man, you know, has experienced possession. So we're going to go and pray over him. So we walk in, and, man, there's a this young boy I mean, he was uh, really a beautiful, just-looking young kid. You know, and he's laid on the bed, and he was chained to the wall, okay? 
So the mom had chained him to the wall. And I asked Celeste, I said, you know, well, you know, what provokes him or how does he react? I said, usually with a lot of people he's fine, but he will react sometimes if he's alone. And so his mom chained him to the wall. And then he was, he was laying on that bed and he was smiling. And he had the sweetest smile. And as he's laying there, though, his hand was, was shaking. He was just, just shaking. And he was, you could tell, like, he was so thankful and just kind that we were there. And so we just said, you know, man, we want to we pray for you. And, and we moved closer in. And, of course, the, the whole time, you know, I'm thinking, this young man is chained to the wall, chained. And he's there smiling, his hand shaking. And so we extended our hands. Me and Marty was there, Olivia, uh, Misty, Monique, wonderful group. So proud of our team. Prayed over this young boy. And I regret, you know, I, I can, I can sit, stand up here and like preach to y'all and say, you know, no fear. But like, God really convicted me later. And he said, uh, he said, you know, you should have you sat on his bed. You should have should have touched him. And you know, as strong as it was then, I was felt some fear, you know. So I'm gonna touch the person next time. But afterwards, you know, we were talking. Jack Morarty and I were talking. I don't know if he's here today. Call him out, but love the brother. So we were talking, and, you know, everybody was saying, you know, experiencing possession. And Jack and I were like, you know, yeah, in the, in the States, you know, we'd call it a mental illness or, I don't know, you know, massive personality disorder or something. But there, there is a spiritual realm, which is one reason I keep going year after year, that you can connect with more, that I think sometimes they see some things we don't and, and see supernatural and so I was really proud of our team, you know. I mean, we, we believe, you know, the gates of hell won't prevail, but there's, there's still the brokenness and the fear, you know, and, and wanting to, you know, save our life or save our body, you know, and not give it all away. So, so I'm walking too with you, man. But afterwards, he got up as we were leaving, and he was looking through the bag, and he was just so thankful. And we came up and shook his hand. I'll never forget his smile. Maybe the Lord will, will see him again. But the gates of hell, you know, they, they won't prevail. So whatever life, relationship, whatever it is, man, move into it. Jesus will, will triumph. And the last thing that Jesus says in that passage, moving out of the Honduras, you're like, oh, let's stay there. Now we've got to move, move forward. He says, Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Now you may read that and it just be like, yeah, just, you know, glance over at keys. But Jesus was literally referring to Old Testament uh, talk, passages, Scripture here. And I want to just throw up a verse on the screen, Isaiah 22, 22, okay? This is God saying, God saying, I will place on his shoulder, this is a man named Eliakim, if I can pronounce it right, 
The key to the house of David, he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. You're like, why are you throwing Isaiah up there? Here's why, okay? The key to the kingdom, uh, the key bearer was a very important role. And this dude named Eliakim, the Lord gave him the key to the house of David, which was in Jerusalem. But he was not David, he was not the king, but he opened the door for people to come in and come out. Jesus directly referring to this, that now there is no more house of David in the New Testament. There is no more temple. He is the temple. He's of the line of David. And he's given the church, the leaders, the keys to open the doors to the king, to the Lord, to Jesus. So when we're in Honduras and we we visit people who the Hondurans say, well, they're demonic possessed, or we just visit plain old good folks here in Mississippi, maybe, you know, that, that are poor or maybe have much we have the keys to open the door to the king. And I don't know if you see yourself as a king bearer, but when you know Christ as Lord, this passage, you're holding a key. You can open the door. And I guarantee if you live your life and you walk out with a serene confidence and say, you know, i got the keys to the kingdom. I can open the door for people to Jesus. You will live in a different way. You will feel your days and your weeks in a different way. You got the key. You got the key. That's what he says here. Now there's a danger. I want to get into the dangers real quick about all this. The danger is we can fall in love with the key bearer instead of Jesus. Okay? This is a passage I want to refer to. 1 Corinthians, if you'll turn real quick. 1 Corinthians. See, Paul's talking about this in the church. And it's important that I refer to it now because, see, what can happen is, you know, if we have the confidence and it's serene and we have humility and we got the key and we open the door, a lot of other folks can, again, fall in love, not emotionally, but like, you know, you're really my Lord, preacher, worship leader, small group leader, you know, guy I listen to on podcasts every week. That's the danger. And Paul talks about this in this passage. The church in Corinth was a, uh, I always say, if you want to feel good about your church, just read Corinthians, okay? You know, like division, addictions, sex, rampant, affair, all of it's going down in Corinth. Check it out, okay? You'll see the Bible is very interesting. Now, chapter 3, he gets into divisions, and the people are falling in love with the key bearers, different leaders. One of them's named Apollos. He was this dynamic preacher. Some of them like Paul. As a leader, he planted the church. And he hits on this. He's like, man, it's not about who opens the door. It's about what you walk into and experience. Jesus. So let me hit this, start with verse 5, okay? 1 Corinthians, he says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, that's Paul. Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. A couple things to say here. Paul's saying, man, it's not about me, the planner. Uh, it's not about Apollos, the evangelist who, you know, rolls through here preaching. It's not about any other leader. It's about Jesus. And the Greek word he actually uses for foundation is verse 11, is the same Greek word that Jesus refers to when he says, on this rock that I will build my church, on Jesus, Petra. Petra. And so, for us, it ain't about any leader. It ain't about me. I mean, I mean, honestly, the Lord will do His work at Bellwether with or without me. I mean, I'm honored to be part of His plan in this season of the life of Bellwether, but he, he can certainly do His thing without me. The foundation has to be Jesus. And Paul ends, he says, you know, it'll be revealed because each church is going to be tested by fire. He says, now the fire may, I don't know, it may look like, it may look like some type of sin, whether it's pride, whether it's greed, money gets stolen, whether it's lust, affairs happen, whatever it is, it's going to be tested. We've been tested before, we'll be tested again. And if the foundation is not Jesus... I mean, it, you know, it ain't worth a lick to use New Albany lingo. Now, anyway, now, what this can, some things that can happen, okay? I'm about to close, but, you know, our mission is to raise leaders. If, if you don't know that, uh, it's important. Our mission statement, raising leaders, who raise families, who raise the kingdom, a big part of my DNA is just, man, I want to raise leaders. I, I see potential in lives, and I... I see how a person can be and I want to encourage them. And I, I love just raising leaders. There's some danger in that, okay? The danger is the leader can start thinking, man, they wouldn't make it without me. You know, this group wouldn't make it. This church wouldn't make it, you know? I mean, I'm all, I don't know, hot stuff. Or they think, you know, cocky without a reason, like I say. Because it's really the Lord's work. There's nothing we do. And they get all high and mighty. There's a danger to that. Got to push down the pride and the ego. Say, no, it's Jesus who's doing the work. Uh, there's a danger within the church when you raise leaders that, you know, followers come to different leaders. And as Paul says, I mean, the churches can be divided. That's why, going back to that question, like, who is Jesus to you? Is he Lord? Is, it, is he top of the org chart? It's about him. And there's another danger that you raise leaders up and, and they go. You know, and they, they do their own work or do their own ministry. And that doesn't mean being a pastor. It could, you know, mission field or, you know, I don't know, start a nonprofit or, you know, go out and do, do their own deal, what the Lord's called them. And honestly, I used to be like, man, real fearful of that. You know, and I was like, man, Lord, you know, I want to raise leaders, but then they raise leaders and go, and that's going to affect church growth. And the Lord has done this real significant work on me. And he's just, I don't know, it's kind of like he's saying, and it's, this is not a scripture, okay, but he's saying, man, whether they stay or whether they go, you just raise leaders. You know, I do the rest. Or bellwethers, just raise leaders. And now, like, I, I get real excited when I see, you know, ministry started 
uh, in our community or, or all over the world. And man, I want to have, you know, dozens, hundreds of leaders go out, whether they stay in Jackson or they go in the world, and man, equip them and help them. Because if it's about the kingdom, it's going to be good for your local church. And if it's just about your local church, it's probably not going to be good for the kingdom. So we're just going to keep raising leaders. And God will do the rest. Whether they stay or whether they go, we raise leaders. Now, I want to close with this, okay? A couple thoughts. Because some of you are like, man, leader, uh, not me. You know, i just just trying to get to church, bro. Uh, some of you men out there like, yeah, my wife just, you know, got me here. It's like, you know, you come to church. You know, can you make it every other month, Okay. That's how we're different at Bellwether. We believe in you, not because of you, because of Jesus. And we look in Scripture and we see dudes like Peter who became Little Rocks, dudes like Paul who actually murdered Christian and then like wrote part of the New Testament. We believe in Jesus. That he can do great things in you. So I'm going to close with the same question. Who is your Jesus? It starts there. What do you call it? Leadership development or being raised. or decide. It starts there because it started there with the disciples. That's when Jesus, to me, was like, all right, we're going we're to knock this up a notch. You've been hanging with me. Who do you say that I am? Who is your Jesus? Is he your life insurance? Because if he's just your life insurance, trust me, he might not be your life insurance. Capiche? I don't know if you got that. But just think about it, okay? Is he just your counselor you go to? Is he Lord? Is he the Lord that gives you purpose, meaning, direction, healing, great plan for your life that maybe you don't know of, but you know it's, man, it's going to be an adventure. You see yourself as a key bearer, and you walk through these doors like, I have the keys to the kingdom. I can open this door for people I come in contact with. Is that your Jesus? The gates of hell, no stronghold will prevail. Is that your Jesus? You can go anywhere. You can walk up to anyone. You can touch people. With his, is that your Jesus? I hope He is. But you know what? God will reveal it to you. Not me. Nobody else. So we're going to close with a prayer. I want you to know Him that way. I pray you know Him that way. I pray I continue to know Him that way. But I pray more so God reveal it to us. So we'll believe, we'll know Him, and we'll follow you. Maybe that's here at Bellwether, maybe it's in Jackson, maybe it's Honduras, India, Stockholm, London, L.A., wherever. We raise leaders. God reveals. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, reveal Your Son to us in power, in love, in peace, that we would know Jesus in just a in a different way, in a big way, in a supernatural way, that gates of hell will not prevail and that we hold the key. And when we walk through this life, this earthly life with the key, it changes the way we walk and live. Change the walks in this room, the lives in this room, by Jesus, knowing Him in a different way, revealed by Your Holy Spirit. In His name, amen.